Hello everyone, welcome back to Holding Fast to Faith. I am your host, Brett Hill, and today we have a really good message for you coming out of the book of John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verses 30 through 40 in the King James Version. The title of the message today is, What is the Evidence of Your Faith? So if you don't have your Bible, pause the podcast, run, get your Bible, come back and join us. What is the Evidence of Your Faith? John chapter 11, verses 30 through 40. Starting with verse number 30, Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in her house, and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, following her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not have died. But when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? But Jesus therefore again groaned in himself coming to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he's been there four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe that thou shouldst see the glory of God? Church, I want to start this message with a question today. If, if people were looking into your life, if they were trying to find the proof of what makes you tick, the proof of your identity, the proof of your Christianity, what evidence would they find that convinced them of your faith in Jesus Christ? Would they find any at all? Would they find something that convinced them that Jesus was your Lord and Savior? Would they say, oh, he or she goes to church every time the doors are open and, and that's got to be the evidence? Or would they say he or she has a Bible that they carry around all the time and that's truly the evidence they never leave home without that Bible. It's like their American Express. Or would they say he or she puts money in the offering plate to support the church and that's evidence that they're a Christian. Or would it be all three of those put together or some, some sort of formula of that matter. But what evidence would people find to be compelling enough to convince them that you have a true faith in in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, I spoke with a man last Sunday evening that I've known since we were teenagers, and, and I, I spoke to him because I knew that he wasn't serving the Lord. He knew that he wasn't serving the Lord, and I was trying to talk to him about making a choice to come back to the Lord and serve him like he needs to, and he continuously talked to me about problem with his children and problem with the divorce he went through and all the hardships he had in his life, and, and he started telling me, why did God do this? Why did God do that? Why, why 
did God do this to my children? And I, I spoke to him and I said, God didn't do any of that stuff. You did that stuff for its choices that you made and its choices that maybe your wife made and choices that other people make in life that are sowing seed that's causing bad crops to come up in your life. Now, God doesn't make bad things happen to you, but he will allow bad things to happen. And he, he continued to talk to me. He said, well, I hate this guy. I hate this guy for what he did. And he, and I said, well, you can't enter the kingdom of God with hate in your heart. And I, I said, you just going to make a choice to die and go to hell? And he, he even went on to tell me, he said, I would go to hell for my children. And I said, this what the choice that you're making right now is not going to hell for your children. It's going to hell for yourself. You're, you're going to die and go to hell for your own unbelief, for your own disbelief in what Christ can do for you. <clears throat> and then he went on to tell me, he said, well, I'm kind of hung on the fence, so to speak, about what I'm going to do. I said, you're trying to decide whether or not you're going to continue to serve the devil or you want to serve Jesus. What are you working on here? Why are you hung on the fence? And then he brought his conversation on a little bit further and he said, well, I'm working on getting back to God. And I, so I listen, church, isn't it amazing how people justify their lack of commitment by saying, God, if you would have done this, God, if you have one, if you would have done that, why did God allow this to happen to me? Why did God allow this to happen to my children? Or why did I have to go through this? Or why did I have to lose that loved one? Why did I lose my job and now I don't have money to pay for my house? Why, 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 why? Why did God do these things to me? And now here's Martha running out to Jesus. And she said, Jesus, if you would have been here, and right after she got through with that, her sister Mary starts in on Jesus and saying the same things. Jesus, if if you would have been here, our brother would not have died. So see, both sisters, they're angry at Jesus. They're upset at Jesus and want he's, uh, the fact that he's waited until their brother Lazarus has passed away and they didn't even come to the funeral. They, he, he didn't show up for the burial. He's been in the grave for four days and they're upset with Jesus and so they're upset with his absence. They're mourning the death of their brother. They're kind of glad to see Jesus now, but they're not really sure why because they're on the fence. They're kind of like my, my friend that he was talking to me. He says, well, I'm, I'm kind of working on the way of getting back, but I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. You know, they're, 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 they don't know whether to be mad or glad at seeing Jesus show up in their life. And this young man that I spoke with last Sunday, he was the same way. The, the truth is that he couldn't decide within himself whether he was going to be angry or or uh, uh, happy about seeing me, he couldn't be uh, uh, couldn't decide in himself if he was going to be uh, angry with God or if he was going to forgive those people or or even try to ask God to forgive him because he couldn't or you know he he couldn't bring himself to making a decision. And the truth is that he couldn't decide within himself, within all his anger, sorrow, confusion, and hate, he couldn't make up his mind who Jesus is and and what Jesus actually means to him. He's he spent so much time off in the other part of the world doing other things and serving the sin and serving the flesh that he's kind of lost track of who Jesus is. He's kind of lost track of the power and the authority that Jesus has in his life and, and the things that Jesus could do for him, the, the restoration power that Jesus has to reverse the curse in our lives. He had, got lot, he had spent so much time away from Jesus that he had forgotten that Jesus has that kind 
position of authority. So you see, church, we all have to seek out the information. We all have to seek out all the evidence and we have to make up our own minds as to who Jesus is and what Jesus means to us. We we can't get that from somebody else. We can't get that with a preacher coming and knocking on our door. And we've got to make the decision ourselves when we hear the word of God, when we have problems in our life and the word of God says that we can be overcomers, we have to make that decision ourselves, and we have to let God be the one to handle our life and let him direct our life. And that's, that's hard to do for a lot of people because they like to hold on to hate. They like to hold on to grudges. They like to continue to blame people. They like to say that it's God's fault. God is the reason why I'm in this situation. No, God is not the reason you are in your situation. If you sowed something in your life, if you've been doing bad things that are not lining up with God's word, then it's called reaping and harvesting or sowing and reaping. It's called sowing some bad seed and coming up with a bad crop. And you have to realize that everything that we sow, the Bible says that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And our, our bad deeds, if we don't get hold of them quickly and ask God to forgive us and draw us back into his kingdom and back into a good abiding relationship with him, then our bad deeds are going to bring up a bad crop that we are not going to want to harvest, but we will anyway because that's God's law and, and we cannot circ circumvent that law. Now look, in verse 21, Martha said, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And she went on to say, but I know now that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God would give it to thee. This sounds pretty good. She's saying, well, I, I know that even right now that if you'll do something here, if you'll, if you'll just go, if you'll just speak the word, but see, she's She's still not getting the picture. She says, whatever you asked of God, God will give it to you. And, and just having Jesus there seemed to be the answer that she needed, but she missed it. Because in verse 23, Jesus told her that thy brother shall rise. And, and it just no plainer than that. She had the faith in Jesus as who he is. And then Jesus comes back and says, Thy brother shall rise. Well, Martha's reply to that statement says, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And listen, Jesus is trying to open her eyes to who he really is here. And, and Martha's not getting the whole picture. He says, your brother's going to rise. And she says, well, I know he's going to somewhere in the future. I know that he's going to. He he believed in God. He put his faith in God. He he obeyed the commandments. He, he had faith in that. I, I know that he's going to rise in the resurrection day someday and Jesus here is he's she just completely jumped over who Jesus is why because well partially because of being upset but remember this statement that she made if you would have been here my brother wouldn't be dead and if Jesus somehow had the had the power to stop death. She believed that he had the power to stop the death of her brother, but she somehow doesn't believe that he has the power to reverse death, to, to change that thing. My goodness, church, that's Jesus's whole purpose for coming to us and being born in that manger and growing up and, and serving us and becoming one of us and dying on the cross. He came to reverse the curse of sin and death. He came to flip-flop everything that we know. He came to turn our world upside down and show us 
us who he really is and what kind of power and authority he had to take the power of sin and death out of our life. And, and Mary is missing it here. Martha's missing it here. News of his miracles. Talk of him being the Messiah. All these things that Jesus was doing, they were around. They they heard the miracles. They saw some of them with their own eyes. And, and even when he raised Jairus from the dead, they weren't in the room, but word did get back to them. Jesus was fulfilling one scripture right after the other and people still not having faith enough unless a miracle touches their own lives, unless a miracle takes place right in front of their own face. And they, they can't believe who Jesus is when life deals a bad hand. They, they can't have faith enough to trust Jesus in the bad times. They love him and they trust him and they praise him when everything's going good, when everything looks really nice. And all that friend of mine that I told you about, he was a really good Christian way back when everything was going good. But just as soon as calamity hit him, he turned his life in the other direction and wouldn't trust God to get him out of it and he started sowing bad seed and all that did was bring harvest in the wrong direction and he kept getting further and further and further away from God. Listen, you've got to be able to trust Jesus when bad things are happening. you got to be able to put your faith in Jesus Christ through the bad times as well as the good. Now, here's Jesus standing out here by this. He's saying as he's talking to her, he says, Jesus... Uh, moves right up in the picture and changes the whole dynamic of the thing and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Not just any life, but the life, the only life that exists, the creative breath of God. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he, and he goes on to say, he looks at her and he says, whoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And I can see Jesus as he turns and looks at Martha, looks her right straight in the eye and says, do you believe this? Now she's already said, I believe my brother will raise from, from the dead. My, I believe my brother will come in the resurrection at some point in time. Jesus speaks up and says, look here, look right in front of you. I am the resurrection. The life that was in his body is standing right in front of you. I am the life. And he's asking her right in front of her. He says, do you believe this? Now look closely, church. Listen to me because most people don't see the problem here. You don't read this scripture the way you probably should see it. But most people don't see this. In verse 27, Martha says, yes, Lord, I, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Now, that may sound like a good answer, but she didn't answer what Jesus said. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Whoever believed in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? And she says, well, I believe you're the Christ. I believe you're the Son of God, which should come into the world. But see, that, that wasn't the answer because she, she didn't really believe who the Christ was and what the Christ was capable of. She don't have a good picture of what the Messiah was going to do. She don't have a good picture of the Messiah, of what, of what his power is and who created him, who, who he came from. Jesus came from the very breath of God. The flesh that he walked in was created, but he had been here ever since the before time. It was the word of God, the breath of God. He was one and the same with God. And and she's not picking up on this. She don't understand that God himself has come in the flesh and standing right in front of her. And when she gives her reply, she lets him know that because she says, I believe you're the Christ. I believe you're the son of God, which should come into the world. And then she turned around and walked off. She just went her way. 
Now look, church, to top it off, Martha even went to Mary in secret and told her that Jesus wanted to talk to her. There was no such thing said. Jesus didn't say, send Martha out or send your sister Mary out here. Let me talk to her. But I, I believe that there was something like that going on inside of Martha's head because Martha's like, I'm tired of talking to you. I, I'm tired of dealing with you. I, I, I'm going to send my sister out here. Maybe she can talk, talk some sense into you and let you realize why we're so upset with you. Listen, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha replies, I know, I know you're the Christ. But her actions here says, but my brother is still dead. Her action says, Mary, I'm tired of talking with him. You go talk to him. Scripture doesn't say that Jesus sent for Mary, but it does show that Martha's faith was clearly lacking. And now Mary comes to Jesus and starts with that very same statement. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, it troubled him. And that's that's where he starts weeping. In verse, 20, in verse 35, the scripture says, Jesus wept. Now, I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter what other people think he was crying about. It doesn't matter that they think that Jesus was in the flesh here crying and mourning over his friend. Luke chapter 19 says that Jesus wept also, but it was because of unbelief. Jesus was riding his donkey into the into Jerusalem to become the sacrifice for the sins of all the Jews, and they're looking at him, and they didn't believe him. They had turned their back on him. They didn't trust him, and, and the Bible says that he was weeping and was crying over them for their unbelief. He, the Messiah had been right in front of them and they didn't believe who he was and so he was weeping over the fact that they had unbelief, weeping over the fact that they had no faith. Even when John the Baptist was beheaded, Jesus sought solitude and found, in, uh, found his solitude in running around healing and meeting people's needs. He wasn't crying over John the Baptist. Scripture doesn't say that Jesus cried over his very own cousin's death. He wasn't crying. He wasn't weeping over losing a friend. He is the resurrection. He raised him if he want to. Mary and Martha both had spent a lot of time with Jesus. They, they both watched the miracles and those that they hadn't seen, they had heard of. Jesus had already raised, like I said before, Jairus' 12-year-old daughter from the dead. And, and somehow, even though Jesus is spelling all this out to Mary and Martha with little kindergarten language and fat crayons, trying to tell them who he is, who's standing right in front of them, neither sister seemed to believe Jesus had come to do anything but pay pay his respects to the dead. So he asked, while he's weeping over their lack of faith, over their unbelief, he asked, where have you laid him? And he cried over the fact that he was going to have to raise Lazarus from the grave right in front of them before they would actually believe who he was. Now, come on, church. Maybe you haven't seen this passage this way before, but look at verse 36 and 37 because the Jews that were standing around him, when they saw Jesus weeping, they looked around and they was talking to each other and said, Behold, look, look how much he loved, look how much he loved Lazarus. He's, he's crying over Lazarus. No, he wasn't. They think he was crying because he loved Lazarus, but look at the next verse. 
And some of them said, could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, look at how the Jews believed he had, he was a miracle worker and how, how he was a mighty prophet of God because they're speaking, could not this man, which has opened the eyes of the blind, had caused that even this man should not have died. And, and Jesus groaned again. Look at the scripture. He's groaning inside of himself like, my goodness, can you people just not see who I am? I've been here. I've raised the dead. I've talked to people and, and healed the blindness and caused the, the lame to walk and caused, his death, caused the deaf to be able to hear. Listen, the, the people that can't speak, I've caused them to be able to speak again. You are missing out. You saw the lepers be healed and still I'm standing in front of you and all you can think about is if Lazarus uh, if Lazarus hadn't have died, I could have healed him where he wouldn't have died. It, you don't even realize who I am. So I can see Jesus. If it were me in his shoes here, he'd be saying, oh my goodness, really? Isn't anybody listening to me? I've already made it clear that I am the resurrection and the only source of life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I'm standing right in front of you and I can see him with kind of an attitude possibly and just thinking to himself, Lazarus believed in me. I think I'll just raise him from the dead so I'll have somebody to talk to who understands who I am and what I'm saying. Come on, church, look between the lines here. Jesus has said I'm the resurrection. Do you believe it? He that believes and is dead will still live. Do you believe it? Take me to the tomb and roll the stone away. Now look at the unbelief that's still here because Martha herself, when he makes that statement, she says, I believe you're the Christ. But when Jesus wants the stone rolled away, she's the first one to change the nature of his visit to the grave because she says, oh, look, Jesus, he's been dead for four days. He stinks now. Don't you think it's a little too late to pay your respects? The funeral was four days ago, Jesus. And I can see Jesus shaking his head again. Didn't I tell you? Have you not been listening? You see, church, sometimes we lose perspective of a matter. Jesus isn't there to raise Lazarus from the dead for Lazarus' sake. He's not going there because his friend died and he wasn't going there weeping over his friend. He wasn't going there to perform a miracle outside of his normal act of everyday work. He's going there because all the people standing around that he had performed miracles in front of that had watched him and, and walked with him and talked with him and been around him day after day after day for the last couple of years, they're not even believing who he is and what kind of power he has. Jesus isn't grieving over his friend. He's not hurting so bad over the loss of a friend that he went to bring a friend back to life. Jesus is running out of time. Jesus is about to be crucified as the Lamb of God and he still can't get people to believe who he is. He still can't get people to see. They're, they're watching the miracles. They're hearing him speak the word. They're calling him the Christ and the Son of God, but he's not rose up with a sword and took Rome over and, and destroyed Rome and kicked them out of the homeland so they're not believing that he's the Messiah. They're not believing that he has the power of God within his bones. They're not believing that he's the very breath of God himself. And everyone has an idea in their own human mind and their own human thinking who Jesus is, just like my friend did up there on that mountain. But see, listen, 
Buddha and Muhammad, they both called Jesus a prophet, but many thought him to be a prophet. Many thought that Jesus was just a prophet, but Martha herself even told Jesus to his face, I believe you are the Christ, yet she couldn't bring herself to know Jesus personally and to know who he was and know that he was God come in the flesh, that he was the very breath and word of God spoken right out of God himself come in the flesh. Her own words were proof of her unbelief. And she calls Jesus the Christ, but she doubts his words. Jesus had to raise Lazarus from the dead right in front of those that he came to die for so that they would believe who he was. And look, verse 45 tells it clearly. Then many of the Jews who came with Mary and had seen these things that Jesus had just done believed in him. So what's it going to take for you? What's it going to take for you to believe who Jesus is and believe the power that he has and believe the authority that he has over your problem? What's it going to take for you? What evidence is there in your life and the words coming out of your mouth that is going to tell the world that you are truly a follower of Christ and you believe that who he is completely and not just when you need him here and when you need him there, that he is the Messiah of God. He's the very breath of God. He's God that came in the flesh. Do you believe him and trust in his words or are you still just looking for evidence enough to realize that Jesus Christ is the very expression of God himself? Are you still looking for evidence enough to realize that Jesus Christ is the breathed word of God? Are you still looking for evidence to realize that Jesus Christ is all the evidence that you need? You don't need to be looking any further. You don't need to be crying out to some other God or some other statue or some other totem pole or whatever it is. You need to be turning to Jesus Christ because he's the only one that you can depend on. He is God that come in the flesh to die for you. He has all power. He has all authority and he will totally change and transform your life if you will turn your life over to him and trust him in that manner and stop looking for evidence of who he is. Just trust and believe that he's everything that the Bible says he is. He is the word of God come in the flesh. He has all power and authority to set you free from the things that you deal with. So is there compelling enough evidence in your own life? Do you call him Christ like Martha called him? Do you call him Savior but still neglect his ability to bring life into your circumstance. What's it going to take for you to trust Jesus enough to set you free from the thoughts and from the drug addictions, from the chains, from the bondage, the, the past, the confusion, the doubt, all the things? What's it going to... What's it going to take for you to trust Jesus with all the things that's went wrong in your life and trust him that he will reverse those things that has happened in your life that you're displeased with? Trust him with those things that you're blaming God for and show and let him show you that it wasn't him, but he still has the power to change it anyway because he has all authority over all creation and all mankind. He can change your life if you will trust him Come and surrender to him right now. Now Kneel down on your knees. Fall down and find yourself an altar wherever you are and let Jesus Christ come into your life. Ask him forgiveness first. Ask him to forgive you of the way you've been believing. Ask him to forgive you for the unbelief. Ask him to help you trust him in every situation in your life and he will do just that. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your life. I thank you for Jesus Christ that is able to do the things that I'm not able to do. And I'm asking you right now to send him into my life. I ask forgiveness of my unbelief. I ask forgiveness of the doubt that I've had. And I ask forgiveness for being so hard-headed 
over all the things that I've been doing in my life that I wouldn't hand over to you and let you handle. Jesus, come into my life right now and help me out of these things. Set me free from the bondage of these things that I've been allowing me to hold me hold me down that I, that I refuse to trust you with that I'm trying to handle on my own. Show me how to turn it over to you. Show me how to trust you with it. And walk in my life, Lord. Walk my life out for me from this day forward. And help me come into my life and reverse the curse in my life so that I can live for you and see the things that you have for me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, begin to read the word of God. Begin to have a communion with Jesus all the time. Pray with him. Talk with him. Share your problems with him. Trust him with every situation in your life. And he will do the things that his word says he will do. He will be there for you. He says, I have the plans for you, but you need to listen to me. You need to trust me. Don't try to follow your own plans. Follow the plan that I have for you because it's a much better plan than what you have for yourself. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today. And I hope this has helped you. And we will see you on the next one.